Hey, Career Girl Nation, this is episode 24 of the Deeper Than Work podcast, and today's episode is very special. We are talking about sexual harassment at work. I was on MeTooMovement.org's website, and it says that 17.7 million women have reported a sexual assault since 1998. 17.7 million women. Now, if you've ever experienced sexual harassment at work for yourself, or you know someone who has, or you've heard it through the grapevine, this episode is for you. Welcome to Deeper Than Work, a podcast for high-achieving and ambitious women ready to make more money, have more impact, and thrive at work and life. And now, here's your host, Dorianne St. Fleur, HR expert, career coach, and breaker of glass ceilings. Hey, Career Girl Nation, this is episode 24 of the Deeper the Work podcast, and we're talking about sexual harassment in the workplace. Now, this is something that is so important and so relevant with everything that's been going on in the media. You know, I just felt like I had to talk about it. I had to break this topic down for my Career Girl Nation. Like, you need to understand, you know, what is going on right now and how it affects you. So in today's episode, I want to break down specifically because, you know, the topic of sexual harassment, we could be here all day. So I want to break down specifically three things for you. I want to break down what it is. So what sexual harassment actually is. I want to talk about why it happens, why it's so pervasive right now across all of these different industries that we're seeing. You know, we're seeing it play out in the media right now. And most importantly, I want to talk about what you Yes, you can actually do about it if you see this happening or if you, you know, experience it or you hear about it. What are the steps that you can take in this whole process? So if you have access to the Internet, then I'm sure that you've seen all of these claims against, you know, these men across different industries, whether it be Hollywood, finance, government. You see all of these claims about the bad behavior that they've had, you know, whether we're talking about Bill O'Reilly. We're talking about Bill Cosby. We're talking about, you know, Harvey Weinstein, R. Kelly, Donald Trump. Like this idea that these men feel like because of the power or the positions that they're in, they can make women and men feel like they can be propositioned or they can be, you know, be, 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 all these comments can be said towards them or they can be groped or fondled or even raped. The fact that they think it's okay is problematic. And while Sexual harassment doesn't know, you know, race or gender or class, like it happens to everyone. The response to sexual harassment, the way that people are treated once they come forward, does, you know, heavily reflect the person's race, class, and gender. So I really feel it's important as a black woman and as a podcast that's dedicated to the empowerment and upliftment of, you know, black and and, and women of color in the workplace that we take the time to have this conversation. This is this is a conversation that's not comfortable. It's a conversation that doesn't happen often. And so I just feel like it is in our best interest to make sure that we are equipped with the tools and the resources and the information 
information that we need to stop the spread of this epidemic. And the sexual harassment, again, I, I feel it is an epidemic that's happening. Is it new? Is it a new phenomenon? No. I mean, this has been happening since the beginning of time where, you know, men feel like they can take advantage and, you know, discriminate and harass women based on their gender. However, the fact that you know, with Tarana Burke and her Me Too movement, the fact that it's coming to the forefront right now and that everyone is paying attention, I feel like this is the perfect time for us to get our ducks in in order, get our ducks in a row and make sure that we are equipped with the tools that we need to stop this problem. So again, I'm going to talk about what it is, why it happens and what you can do about it. So to begin, I guess a good place for me to start with this subject is I was watching uh, a video uh, by moveon.org and it was featuring Tarana Burke, who again created and started this whole Me Too movement. You know, she talked about a lot of things. It was powerful. The video was like under three minutes, but she just dropped so many gems. And one of the things that she talked about that really stuck out to me um, was this idea that the yes, the men who are perpetrating and doing these acts, you know, they should be punished and they are horrible and they shouldn't be doing these things. But let's also talk about the system in place that's allowing these things to happen, right? When someone like Donald Trump can get elected president and has 20 women, at least 20 women who are saying he has assaulted me, he has groped me, kissed me, done all these things against my will, and he's still allowed to, you know, move up the ranks and become the president. Or when someone like a Harvey Weinstein or or R. Kelly can be accused of pedophilia and still have concerts that people attend and pay money to see, when these things happen, there's there's bigger systems at play that allow this, you know, allow this to, to continue to happen. So when we bring it to the workplace, you know, it can be hard to feel like you have a voice, that you can actually say something, that you could stand up against what's happening when you're looking around and seeing that the people who are, you know, perpetrating this bad behavior they're still moving up the ranks. They're becoming managers and they're becoming leaders and they're becoming executives. And so it's like, well, where do I even stand in this whole equation? How can I even, you know, stand up for myself? Will I lose my job? Will, will, you know, people look at me and try to retaliate against me? All of these questions are valid and all of these questions I completely understand. And so that's why I really just want to break down, you know, what you can do and what power you do have in this situation to really help ensure that you're, you're not falling victim to, to sexual harassment. So let's start with what workplace sexual harassment is. Now, I'm going to read you the definition. There's a lot there. Um, so I'm going to break it down a little bit further, but I just want to go through just high level what sexual harassment is. So the law defines sexual harassment as unwelcome, verbal, visual, nonverbal, or physical conduct of a sexual nature. Okay. That is severe or pervasive and affects working conditions or creates a hostile work environment. Now that was a lot. So I'm going to break it down uh, even further. So the first part of the definition is that sexual harassment is unwelcome. And that means that it is unwanted, right? You did not solicit this. This is, you did not consent to this. It is, it's an unwelcome advance. Now, 
when we talk about it being unwelcome, this to me is a key part of the definition because what happens a lot of times is that maybe something will happen. Maybe someone will make like a slight comment or make a joke or something and you'll feel uncomfortable. It'll definitely, you'll definitely know inside that this was unwelcome and this is not something I wanted, but then you're like, well, is it really harassment though? Did it really raise to the level of being something that I need to complain about? Am I being too sensitive? Remember it need it's unwelcome. You did not ask for the comment or the touching or the the photo or the joke or anything to be said to you. So keep that idea of it being unwelcome top of mind, okay? Any any behavior that is unwelcome and that is unwanted, whether it is verbal, in writing, by actions or whatever, this conduct that makes you feel uncomfortable, it is not okay, okay? So Beyond the unwelcome, there's also conduct of a sexual nature or based on sex. So let me break down what that means as well. Now, first of all, understand there are many different kinds of harassment, right? Like I said, it can be verbal, physical, nonverbal, visual, right? So here are some examples. So when we talk about verbal or written, think about if someone comments about your clothing in an inappropriate way or comments on or writes about personal behavior or personal or romantic relationships or your body or making sexual jokes or what a lot of people do is like like just like innuendo like they won't actually say anything but it's like um it, it you know oh you know come on over to my place you know I have I have I have a bed I want you to see or something like that. You know, just something that's, they, they're, they're not actually saying anything. Like they're not saying come and sleep with me, but they're making innuendo or so they're inferring it. That's also, that counts as sexual harassment. If they request sexual favors or they're requesting dates or they spread rumors about a personal sexual life or talk about your sex life that you, you know, again, it's unwanted and unwelcome. If they threaten you because you've rejected their sexual advances, all of this is sexual harassment. If when we talk about physical things, like if they block you from moving somewhere, they, you know, or they inappropriately touch you or your clothes or something that's on you, if they try to kiss you, hug you, stroke you, pat you, all of these things are physical. And obviously if they assault you, if they're, you know, touching you against your will or without your consent or, you know, raping, all of those things are sexual harassment. Even nonverbal things, right? So looking at someone, looking, you know, somebody looks at you up and down in, in that in those eyes that are like suggestive, or they're staring at specific body parts, or hand gestures. Like there are a lot of gest- gestures that people make or facial expressions, all of those things. If someone is following you and you just feel uncomfortable. If someone, you know, when we move into visual, if they're displaying posters or, you know, they're making drawings or screensavers or videos or, you know, sending around links to things, all of these things are under the umbrella of sexual harassment. And I know you may be listening to this list and like, well, damn, that includes, that's like, that's like everything. That's a lot of things. Yes, it is a lot of things. And you have a right as a woman to go to work and to, you know, be successful and to make money and to support yourself and your family and not be subjected to someone harassing you. 
You have a right to do that. You have a right to wear what you want to wear and to look nice, you know, and to wear makeup and to wear clothes that make you feel attractive and beautiful. You have a right to do all of those things and someone not make inappropriate comments and someone not look at you up and down and someone not, you know, make inferences about the fact that you should be going home with them. You have a right to do that at work. And so that's why I want it to be, you know, really clear to you about what this entails, what sexual harassment entails and what it is. And I want you to be on the lookout for it. Like I'm sure as a woman who's worked for any number of years, you can think of situations where one of these things, at least one of these things have been violated. I've been working since 2005 and I can think of a, a few instances where one of these things have been violated. And maybe I laughed it off at the time. Maybe I laughed off a joke or maybe if someone made me uncomfortable, I just, you know, I avoided them and I didn't, I just wasn't around them anymore. We, we, there are definitely, definitely ways that we try to cope with the situation. Maybe you don't want to ruffle feathers. Maybe you don't want people to think that you're being overly sensitive. Maybe you don't want it to impact the trajectory of your your work, whatever it is, you know, just think back to those moments where, yeah, this was inappropriate. And this is something that happened that I don't want to happen. And, you know, I didn't do anything about it because maybe I didn't know what to do or whatever it is. I want you to understand, you know, that it's not okay. Okay. When we think about, you know, the other part of the definition, which is about it affects working conditions or creates a hostile work environment. Now think about like, this is when we get to the other extreme of things, right? Think about if you were ever to be fired or you didn't get promoted or you got demoted or you got, you know, they said that you weren't doing well and your performance reviews were, were really low, um, or you, anything that's like an adverse impact to your, to your career or job, like you had to move to another division or whatever on the basis of you not wanting to comply with the sexual advance. So because you rejected the the harasser, one of these adverse things happened to your career. This is creating a hostile work environment. Or if you're made to feel uncomfortable every day and if you speak up about it, then you're you be you're belittled or you're, you know, you're 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 shut out and you're made to, you know, be left out from the rest of the team. Like all of these things can affect your working conditions and it's all under the umbrella of sexual harassment. Okay. You should know that sexual harassment is against the law. Like, I think it goes without saying, but I just want to just put it out there officially. Sexual harassment is illegal. So there are many laws that are, are put in place to protect you against sexual harassment. And um, you need to be aware of what they are. So there's federal law. Right. So you can you can look up the federal law about sexual harassment in the workplace. It's Title seven of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Sometimes it's just called Title seven. Right. So that's there. You also have state laws. So whatever, depending on what state you're in, I think it's in your best interest to look up what this, this, the, the state that you live in has to say about sexual harassment and how to deal with it and what you need to do. Um, and these things, I feel you need to be an informed employer, un- employee. Unfortunately, this is the, this is the times that we live in. You need to, to equip yourself with the knowledge and understand what it means to be 
you know, working in these times as a woman. You should know what tools you have at your disposal because these men, they just, they're behaving badly. Like they're doing things that are just inappropriate. And when you see, you know, all the way up to these high powered women in Hollywood who are coming forward and saying that I've been harassed, can you even begin to think about these, these, these other women who are not, you know, in Hollywood and who are not, rich and who are not white and who do not have, you know, the resources at the disposal that these women had and they had to deal with it. So imagine what's going on, you know, behind the scenes. Imagine what's going on in your workplace. Think of your company. Please, let me tell you, as an HR person, no company is immune. Please do not think that, oh no, that's at other companies. That does not happen where I work. No, 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 honey. Please don't think that. I've worked at several companies and I can definitively tell you that no company is immune from sexual harassment. So maybe it's never happened to you and thank God. And I am, you know, very happy about that, but please know there is someone else that is suffering in silence. That's why it's important that everyone listen to this episode and understand exactly, you know, what their part can be, which I'll get to in a second. So we talked about what sexual harassment is. So I, I kind of broke down for you the different you know types of it. I gave you examples of what it is so we know what it is, right? Now, sometimes things are a little less out there. They're a little bit more subtle or they fall into more gray areas. So I was having a conversation with some colleagues um, before. I won't say when or where or whatever, but I was having some com- a conversation and it was right after we were at a an event, like a happy hour situation that was off of company premises, but we were all there, we all worked together and we were drinking and having fun and dancing and all of this. And someone made a comment to me and and a group. So we were talking in a group after the fact about the event and how it was fun and it was great. And she said, the only thing was like, this person walked up to me and he was like, oh, I didn't know you had dance moves like that. And she said, like, that's all he said, but it was so creepy the way he said it. And he just came up behind me and it just made me feel so uncomfortable. She was just talking, venting, just, you know, it was a mixed group. It was men and women in the group. It was funny that the men didn't say anything when she made that comment. And I just as an H, I always have my HR hat on. So I kind of like was like, what? Um, But someone else spoke before I had a chance to speak. And their comment was, oh, I know him. He didn't mean anything by it. That's just how he is. And in my mind, I'm like, well, actually, no. You know, I went through, I just immediately went into HR mode. And I'm like, well, you know, who else was there? Who else saw it? How did you feel? Are you okay? Do you want to raise a complaint? You know, did that make you feel uncomfortable? And she said, no, no, no. You know, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers or anything. I just like, it just really made me uncomfortable. And you know, I'll, that's her prerogative to want to make a complaint or not make a complaint. But it was just interesting to me that the other women that were in the room, how they really were like, oh, that's just not a big deal. He just, you know, we were drinking or we were off of work premises or that's just how he is. And this brings me to the second point about why sexual harassment happens. What, so there's a couple different things at play with sexual harassment and the power dynamics and all of that. But one of the main reasons why sexual harassment flourishes, right? And it does no it does leave no company immune and why people from the president all the way down to, you know, 
John Schmo, John John Doe at your company is can be a harasser is because people are so quick to downplay what's happening. Now I just went through with you all of the different you know, things that can fall under sexual harassment and making comments that are, that make, that is unwelcomed and unwanted and that has some sort of, you know, innuendo or makes you feel uncomfortable is under the umbrella of sexual harassment. So if I'm minding my business at a company event, enjoying my, you know, drink of choice and listening to the music and I'm dancing you don't you don't have the right to come up behind me and whisper in my ear about my dance moves and how you didn't know I could move like that. Like back up. That's not appropriate. And if you maybe someone else would have heard it and not felt uncomfortable and not felt like it was unwelcome, and that's totally fine for that person. But for me or for that woman who raised this, you know, complaint or not even a complaint, who just made this comment, it was unwelcome to her. And so I don't feel like anyone else has the right to downplay it or say that it wasn't a big deal or say that's just him. This is how these problems continue to persist. As an HR professional, when I do get these complaints and we do you know, go through our due diligence and we do you know, do whatever investigation or whatever we need to do, it's oftentimes not an isolated incident. It's oftentimes that, you know, oh yes, I've heard that, but I just didn't know it was true. Or, you know, I wanted this to happen or, or I didn't want anything to happen to this person or them to get in trouble. You know, we are so quick to rationalize and to downplay what's happening. And all this does is allow the the person, the harasser to continue to harass. And maybe it starts out as making just, you know, slight comments that are in the gray area that we're not really sure. And then it escalates all the way up to groping and fondling and raping. Like, I don't even mean to be dramatic about it, but it can escalate and go through this whole process because we're not nipping it in the bud from the beginning. So it's really important that we're not part of the the issue that helps it to continue to go by downplaying or by cutting someone off in their story. If they feel uncomfortable, if they feel like something was unwelcome, we don't, we should not be downplaying them or making them feel bad or making them feel like they're overreacting, especially as other women. It's funny that the men in the room said nothing. They literally went quiet. It was the women who came to her to say, oh, no, 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 that's just him, girl. Don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. And that's just not okay to me. That's part of the reason why this continues to continue to move forward. The other reason why I feel like, you know, sexual harassment happens is because the, the, the stigma that goes with the person who is making the complaint is just very negative. Even if, you know, they raise the complaint and something happens to the person and, you know, the person is dealt with or punished, the actual person who made the complaint is still punished. And maybe it's not like overtly, but if anyone catches wind that, you know, they were the person who got this person fired, that's not a good look for them. They, they're, they're like, oh, you're a tattletale, or you got this person in trouble, or you're being so sensitive. And no one wants to have that stigma on them. So what do they do? They say nothing. They don't complain. They don't want to ruffle feathers. I can't tell you how many times I've heard things and they're like, I was so afraid to say it. Or I didn't want to say anything. Or please don't use my name. Or, you know, please don't tell anyone I said anything. Or please, I want this to be confidential. It's like, 
If we want to stop this problem, if we want sexual harassment to be eradicated from the workplace, then we need some brave people to stand up and to admit that, yes, this happened to me and I'm going to come forward because I don't want this to continue to happen to anyone else. And so I'm going to own this and I'm going to do whatever it is. I'm not going to backtrack my story. I'm not going to walk out of it. I'm going to stand in here and own you know, what happens next. I get that it's not easy. I get that you don't want your career or your, your you know, th- to be put at stake. I totally, totally understand that. But it's something that has to be done and it's something that you need to feel comfortable and own and stand in, you know, just stand in your truth, okay? So we talked about what it is. We talked about why it happens. Now, the most important thing, let's talk about what to do about it. So let's say you have been have experienced sexual harassment. Someone has, you know, done one of the things that are listed earlier, you know, that's inappropriate, unwelcome, unwanted, you know, makes you feel uncomfortable, or you've heard through the grapevine that someone has harassed someone else. Maybe they told you directly, maybe you heard it indirectly through, you know, another source, whatever, or maybe you've heard rumors of it. Whatever, it's come to your attention that sexual harassment is happening. There are things that you can do to, you know, to, to, to help the situation, right? And I'm going to go through this in order of my preference of what you should do. So that's the disclaimer. This is Dorian's preference of the order in which you should, you know, try to, to alleviate the situation. But at the end of the day, I want you to do whatever order feels most comfortable for you. It, it's not necessarily important about, you know, who the messenger is or who you get it out to. What's important is that you, that you get it out, that you do talk to someone about it. So if you experience sexual harassment, if you, you know, hear about it, the first thing, the first person that I feel you should go to is your HR representative. Now, Huge disclaimer, I know some HR teams are horrendous. Like, uh, let's talk about what happened at Uber, you know, earlier this year with the, 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 the 215 sexual harassment claims that they have out there and their HR just did absolutely nothing about it. Um, it's just like when I remember reading the article and it was literally, it was laughable. Like I literally laughed because I'm like, how are these people HR professionals? And they allowed this sex, this, this, this system of sexual harassment to just continue to happen over and over and over again. And it wasn't until, you know, uh, an engineer, a female engineer who actually quit and then, you know, wrote a blog post about what happened. She uncovered just the systematic issues and problems that they've had there and how the harassment was raised to HR and nothing was done again. So I get that there's some HR departments that just won't help and won't do anything, which is why I have other people that you can go to as well. But any HR department that I've been in, I know myself as an HR professional, take this so seriously and would definitely do my part to you know help the situation. So in my mind, in most cases, unless you have a, just a incompetent HR department, 
HR should be your number one stop. When you go to HR, you can ensure that while you can't, I can't guarantee confidentiality because, you know, this is obviously a big complaint and you, we need to do our due diligence. We will try, any good HR team would try to keep it as confidential as possible, a close circle, like just the people who need to know in the advancement of this investigation will be put at place. But when you go to HR, you can expect that someone who is trained to deal with this sort of situation, someone who is impartial, someone who is, you know, bound by the obligations of their profession will handle this in an appropriate way. So my number one step will always be to tell people, go to HR, let them know what's happening, let them understand, you know, the process and what's going on and talk through them, talk through it with them. Be prepared to answer questions, be prepared to, you know, walk through a timeline, all of those things. But honestly, this will help you to help with the issue. Like if you want something to be done, if you want someone to, to be, you know, reprimanded, or even if you just want this to go on record, you know, a lot of times maybe you don't necessarily want the people. A lot of people will come to me and say, I don't want this person to be fired. I don't want anything bad to happen, which I get, you know, I, I get that you don't want to be responsible for someone, but think about the fact that this person had no qualms about, being inappropriate with you or with someone else, right? They didn't think about how that other person would have felt or what would happen to that person or what they could trigger in that person by saying or doing the inappropriate thing that they've done. So to me, when you raise your complaint, it should be less about what's gonna happen to the, that person and more about what can I do? How can I you know, do my part to help eliminate sexual harassment at work? So number one, go to your HR, tell them what's happening, go through the details, timelines, witnesses, like all of those things with them. The second person that you could go to if you're, you know, experiencing or know about sexual harassment is your manager. Now, you might be like, well, Dorian, what if my manager is the person who's doing the harassing? Well, then obviously don't go to your manager. Maybe go to your manager's manager or again, HR. That's why HR is always my number one choice because they're kind of outside of this whole process and they can be, you know, just an objective, impartial party. But go to your manager. If you have that relationship and you trust your manager, go to your manager. Your manager is bound by the obligations of his or her profession to raise it to HR and to the appropriate people. So you can rest assured that you are, by raising it to your manager, you are doing your part and you can, and your manager can follow up and do the necessary things they need to do. Now, let's say, the issue is with your manager or you don't trust your manager for whatever reason, you can also, number three, go to a trusted leader at your company, you know, another executive or some another manager of another team. Maybe it's not of your team, but someone who is also in a leadership position at your company and can help you through the process, right? And can help you understand what your options are, what your next steps are, who you can speak to, who you should be going to. Um, and so those are the, my top three. Beyond that, let's talk about options for you outside of your company. Now, for whatever reason, again, let's say if you work at an Uber type place, right? And I don't mean to beat up on Uber, but like 
seriously, I'm going to link to the article in the show notes. Um, and again, um, I, well, I don't think I said it so far, but you can always find the show notes at yourcareergirl.com. You can either click on the banner at the top of the website for the latest podcast episode, or you can go to yourcareergirl.com slash blog slash episode 24 for the show notes. So all of the links that I mentioned, the Tarana Burke video, um, you know, metoomovement.org's website, all of those things that I mentioned will be on the show notes. I will also include a link to the article about the sexual harassment issues over at Uber. And when you read it, you'll understand why I keep referencing them and why I will, you will never catch me in any of an Uber car or whatever, because I'm just not okay with how things, you know, are being handled, were handled there. So I know that they've done a lot of changes with the organization and all of that. So hopefully things will get better. But I digress. Anyways, if you don't trust your company or you don't trust that things will be handled appropriately there, there are things outside of your company that you can do and there are places that you can go outside of your company. One of those places is an anonymous tip line. So a lot of companies have anonymous tip lines, ethics hotlines, Um, that you can reach out to. It's run by a third party, usually some legal supervision as well. You don't have to leave your name. No one has to know it was you. You just basically say the complaint and then the company is obligated to go through their due diligence. It gets reported to the company, but again, it's anonymous, so no one will know. As an HR professional, I've worked with it both ways. I've worked with it coming from the actual employee themselves or a manager within the company. And I've also worked with on investigations that were raised in an anonymous capacity. So either way, it gets to HR, it gets to the right person who can actually do something about it. So if you don't know whether or not your company has an anonymous tip line, you can search your employee handbook, look through your code of conduct, search your, you know, your internet at your company, ask your manager ask HR. There's many ways to find out if your company has one. Um, and if they don't, then I'll tell you, share with you my last place where you can go to. But if they do, you can definitely utilize that as an option. If they don't have an anonymous tip line, then you can consider going to a government agency, right? If you, if you have to take it there, then take it there. The point, like I said before, is to get the information out there. So government agencies, if you're a part of a union, you can speak to your union representative to help you through it. If you're not a part of a union, then you need to go ahead and find you, you know, the website for the EEOC, Equal Employment um, Office, wait, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, sorry. And I will also link to the EEOC in the show notes as well, yourcareergirl.com slash blog slash episode 24. But that's also an opportunity for you to bring it to the EEOC. You know, there's no charge to you. You go in there, you say your complaint, you've been sexually harassed or you've witnessed a sexual harassment or you've heard about it, whatever you need to do. But again, get it out there. And the last thing that you can do is, find legal counsel. Like, obviously that's more costly. Obviously, you know, a lot of people may not be able to afford a lawyer, but know that that is an option for you. If you feel like, you know, your complaints are not being taken seriously or no one's doing anything about it, or, you know, you just don't know where to turn, then know that there are other options for you. Okay. So HR manager, a trusted leader, an anonymous tip line, a government agency like a union or the EEOC, or legal counsel. So you have things at your disposal to make sure that you are 
getting this information out there that people are aware that people are being held responsible for, you know, the bad behavior that they're doing. So one question that I get a lot when I talk about sexual harassment is, can my employer retaliate against me for complaining? Or can they do something to me? Can they fire me? Can they not give me a promotion? The short answer is no, they legally cannot. It is illegal for an employer to retaliate against you. And every company has an anti-retaliation policy. You should familiarize yourself with that. Again, go to your employer handbook, code of conduct, any internal websites that you have for your company, but it's illegal for them to do so. So punishing you, you know, for complaining about sexual harassment or for supporting, you know, an investigation on harassment or anything else is illegal. So they cannot do that. So if you complain about sexual harassment and you're forced to go out on leave, you know, while the harasser gets to continue to work or you're, you're switched to another team that it's not what you want to be doing or you're demoted or whatever, if anything adverse happens to you because you've complained or because you've supported, you know, the complaint of someone else or you participated in an investigation, it is all illegal. So understand that these things are illegal. Your employer is responsible to, you know, to cover you, right? There's federal laws, there's state laws that prohibit sexual harassment, and they're responsible to make sure that if you complain about it, if you've been a, a, a you know, someone who's experienced it, that nothing adverse happens to you because of it, okay? So I know that was a lot. I'm wrapping it up now, but... You know, I, there's just a few tips that I want to make sure that you're aware of. If you, these are things I want you to consider if you're facing sexual harassment or if you know someone who is, just understand that, you know, one, it is not okay. You do not have to feel like you have to deal with it because you want to get ahead or because no one else is saying anything or because something is going to happen to you. It is illegal and it is not okay point blank period. You can say no clearly. You should say no, but also know that if you didn't say no, or if you complied, or if you laughed it off, whatever, that does not change the fact that what happened should not have happened. It helps if you clearly state that you are not okay with this and you say no, but if you don't, please don't feel like you can't raise a complaint. I would also encourage you to write down what happened. As soon as that you're, you know, away from the situation, just get everything out, write it all down, write down the dates, the places, the times, who was there, when it happened, like any quotes that you remember, write it all down. And, you know, I would do it at home or, you know, on your own devices. I wouldn't like type it on a work computer or, you know, anything like that, that your company owns, but just write down what happened. Then you should report what happened. Okay. Again, to those people that I told you about HR manager, trusted leader at the company, anonymous tip line, um, you know, government agency or legal counsel report it. And, you know, make sure that you stay on top of what's going on, okay? So that's all that I wanted to talk through today. I know this was a long one. The episodes are not typically that long, but I just feel like this was an important topic for us to talk through. I want to make sure that you are equipped, that you understand what your options are. You can spot sexual harassment when you see it. You understand like kind of the the things that are at play at why it continues to happen. And most importantly, you understand what you can do and what part you can play in this process. All right, so that is all I have for you on this uh, topic and I will talk to you soon.
And there you have it, episode 24 of the Deeper Than Work podcast. This topic was a little different than normal topics, but I mean, by this point, I hope you know me by now, you know, the name of this podcast is Deeper Than Work. It is more than just LinkedIn profiles and, you know, getting promoted. It's about what are the things that really affect us as women in our career. And unfortunately, sexual harassment is one of those things. It is pervasive and it is systematic and it is um, impacting a lot of women's career Um, trajectories. And so we had to talk about it. So I hope that you enjoyed the episode. I hope that you found it valuable. Head on over to the show notes page to get access to the links and to learn more and read more about this topic. Head on over to yourcareergirl.com slash blog slash episode 24. Talk to you later.